hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. Hey, let's see if this card goes through for that $8,000 drink. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody wants to be a part of the in crowd. Everybody wants to to look good. My my decision was, I'm not a victim. I'm not going to stay and work someplace where this is a problem. Normally, we don't drink on queer money, but because we're talking about a subject that David is rather vanilla on... Grab a glass of wine, because you're listening to Queer Money with the Debt-Free Guys. This is the only show helping our community do more and be more by talking about money from the queer perspective. Hi, I'm David. And I'm John. And this is Queer Money, the only show on the internet talking about money from the personal fi- or personal finance from the LGBT perspective. We believe that there needs to be a voice in the personal finance space, uh, when it comes to money, and that's why we're here. In this show, we're talking about uh, how to finance your wedding when you can't count on your straight parents to pay for it. How can we adapt to traditional models? Uh, when, how can we adapt when traditional models don't work? Let's go ahead and meet our guest. Very cool, and we're happy to have back um, the world-famous William S. <laughs> Matthews. <laughs> Would you mind introducing yourself and plugging your uh, book and whatever else you're working on right now? Absolutely. I'm the world famous William <laughs> S. Matthews. The S stands for success. <laughs> I'm happy to be back here with you all to talk about my favorite subject, money, money <laughs> and love. So tonight I get the best of both worlds. I am an author, keynote speaker, leader, ambassador for change, all that good stuff. My current book is available on Amazon. It's titled Everything I Needed to Know About Money I Learned from My Broke Ass Friends. <laughs> in this book, I have a title. I have a chapter that is dedicated specifically for individuals that are getting ready to get married. So check out the book, go to my website, find out more about me at williamsmatthews.com and let's dive into it. Absolutely. And we'll um, we'll have links uh, to your book um, and your website on our show notes. Uh, That'll go up live tomorrow. um, I'm sorry, Thursday. Um, Perfect. So uh, definitely purchase that book. I'm sure it's awesome. Um, So kickstart the conversation. The first question we have is how are, when David and I were talking about this, and this is very fascinating, how are parental views on same-sex marriage changing relative to the general public? So um, we did some research ourselves and we found that the 60% of the general population as of June of 15, June 2015, um, supported same-sex marriage and 45% of baby boomers supported same-sex marriage. So the population of people who um, were more, most likely to have children of marrying age, um, about 50%, close to half of them, would support, it sounds like, um, same-sex marriage or the child getting married. Right. Yeah, we see, see so much more of that happening. The, the, uh, the change that has just happened over, say, the last 10 years, how many more people in general um, we know that a lot of that is coming from the youth, but uh, obviously adults are uh, are uh, changing. And uh, the, those statistics, those kinds of polls are only done of individuals who are uh, of, uh, of adult age, of an age in which they can contact them uh, oftentimes. Like I think one of those was the Pew Research Center, and they, yeah. they specifically zero in on individuals. They like to work a lot of times on, with individuals who have a voting record. Uh, so it's individuals who are of voting age, but obviously it's uh, there are a lot of individuals who are 
uh, of the age where they would have children that would be that would fall into that group. Yeah. What What do you see, William? Uh, we know that you work in this space a lot. What What are you seeing? I if I see attitudes changing on same sex marriages, right? Yeah, I do, especially with the young millennials generation coming up. I think because they're it's it's part of their everyday life, whether on television and music and in school, they all know someone that's openly gay or possibly a you know a couple that is the same sex couple that's married. And I think the baby boomers, it's taken them a while, like, okay, this is now becoming the new norm. So I think as we see generations progress, it's just gonna be a more uh, a more open and acceptable thing and you'll know someone. And so it's not such a taboo subject. So I think the attitudes are changing. We still have a long way to go, but I think the we're making progress. Yeah, absolutely. I think of all the, the queer people that we know who've gotten married recently, I only know of one person's parents who weren't supportive enough and who didn't mm -hmm. go to the wedding. Yeah. Um, that's probably about you know a dozen or so friends who've gotten married yeah. over the last year or a couple of years. Um, do you, in your circle of friends and you know your relationships, do you have, are you experiencing the same thing? Are your friends having trouble with their parents supporting that? I've been fortunate to most of my friends, their parents and, and family members have been very supportive and definitely with the stigma of being in the South for one. And then the African-American community has not been that open of it. But fortunately, I've all of my individuals, friends and colleagues that I know, they've had very supportive family members. And and so it hasn't been that much of a struggle. Now, of course, I do know maybe one or two, but they, it took the, their parents a while to come along. But for the most part, it's been a very positive experience, which again is, is surprisingly based upon my location and you know my the race community of the black population. Right. You know, that was when I was looking at, at the data that did stand out to me that no matter how you slice the data, the African American population was much more against same sex marriage and anything yes. LGBTQ than yeah. any other slice of however you want to slice the pie. Yeah. Why? Um, why? I don't. If you know, do you, why is that? I, for several reasons. Uh, I think for one, you have to understand the African-American community is very faith-based. The right. uh, churches are very big in the community and they still have the stigma that this is not what God wants. And so you have that aspect of it. And then also it's just, it's not as openly talked about in the African-American community as it is in other communities where you might have a gay uncle or the gay aunt or cousin, but it's whispered about at the family reunion. It's not openly discussed. And I think that one of the things that's making the change is the millennial generation and younger generations where nowadays it's becoming more acceptable on television and magazines and, and songs and, and you see more openly gay entertainers and celebrities. So at least the conversation is starting to happen. Um, yeah. But I think more so than anything, it just happened. The African-American community is that way because of the whole faith base and, right. and being very involved in the church. The church is the heartbeat to the black community. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. So, you know, what I also thought was interesting though, no matter how conservative a group was, the more that they were exposed um, or to it, somebody who's in the LGBT community, mm -hmm. the more open that they were with um, at least supporting them, maybe not necessarily to the extent of same-sex marriage, but um, right. weren't, you know, didn't have any, any negative biases toward them, which I thought was interesting, whether they were religious or not. Right. I think it, that's that's the case with almost everything that 
that we don't know when you when you meet somebody who's a Muslim and you start having conversations with them and they become a part of your regular daily life. You know, maybe you work with them or something like that. You understand that there aren't necessarily the same fears that you may have or preconceived ideas that you may have. They break down those barriers. And I think that that happens across all different walks of life. When you meet somebody that's, the, you know, a particular uh, has a particular lifestyle or national origin or whatever it may be. Yeah. Right. You're stepping into the unknown. I think it's it's no different than the HIV AIDS stigma back in the 80s, where it was just like you didn't know anything about it. So you dare not you didn't want to touch or be in the same room with someone who was infected or had AIDS. Right. And so now as you more educated about it, you know, people, you know, it's not a death sentence. I think it's the same thing, not the best metaphor, but as far as you people in the community like, okay, well, I, I do have a family member that's gay and they seem to be okay. And we're having conversations about it at the, the family reunion table or on the holiday parties. So it's not such a taboo subject. And the more you know, the, the better you are. You're educating yourself with it. Stephen Christopher, who has a podcast, um, what's it, Business Revolution, if um, you haven't checked it out. He, I forget what the, the topic was, but he was talking about how 50,000 years ago when we were cave people, different was very often bad. And so it's in our evolution to say, this is an anomaly. We're not used to whether it's, you know, this tiger or this, these, this other tribe of people or whatever, we're not used to these people. And so we should, we should keep up our guard because very often different meant, you know, death. Right. Um, we just haven't was, evolved yeah. <laughs> um, much that. beyond that, unfortunately. And we still think that different is bad. Yeah. We have to get over that. Right. The, the subject he was talking about was fear and how fear was built in as a natural reactor to protect us from from death. You know, fear of certain sounds or fear of uh, certain locations. You know, that's what protected individuals. And right. then, you know, once you meet somebody and interact with them, you realize there's no reason to be fearful of somebody who's gay. It's just like yeah. or what other demographic you can come up with. Right. I think it's interesting. What was probably. The first time I took David on vacation with me and my family, my parents didn't know that I was gay. And um, right. we never, we actually didn't tell any of my parents. He just came as a friend. Um, but we went, bike, we went bike riding with my three nieces who were probably, I think Mackenzie was the oldest at 12. So it was 12, 10. Mm -hmm. I think were, she was 14. That's 14. 14 yeah. So uh, 14, 12, um, 10. And um, we were riding our bikes and the middle niece, so she would have been 12, said, Uncle John, where do you and David can have kids? <laughs> and I was like, what? what? They knew. Because I thought it was surprising because my mom had yeah. said like, oh no, my parents didn't know. We right. just this weren't allowed this... to tell the kids right. because they didn't want to have a conversation with them. And then all, all of a sudden out of the blue, the girls were like, when are you going to have babies? We want you to have mm -hmm. uh, adopt twins and we're going to name them. <laughs> they were naming them and stuff. <laughs> right. weird. So yeah. And they're millennials. And so they're the generation that you're yeah. talking about. They're, 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 views are changing rapidly, maybe too rapidly mm -hmm. for some of the older population. <laughs> so we'll um, kind of getting off on a couple topics. It's redundant. Back. <laughs> um, so go back to the second question. How common is it? This is also interesting because I think we're, we're blazing trails now. How common is it for one or both sets of parents to pay for their child's um, same-sex wedding? Now that I have not seen, I don't know if you all are familiar with this television show that was recently airing on the FYI network. It was three different couples. One was a same-sex couple, one was an interracial couple, and one was different religion backgrounds. And it was it show it was a docu series 
of their lives as they were getting ready to get married. And I say all that to say for the, the same sex couple, the guys who were on the show, I think they were out of Boston, but the family lived in California. One of the gentlemen, he was saying that his father is having a really hard time accepting him being gay and wanting to marry a man. And he says, you know, my parents aren't helping me at all for this wedding. It's solely just me and my fiance. He said, but when my sister got married, he gave her $15,000 and she only stayed married for a few years. And I've been with this guy for several years and, and he can see that we're struggling financially, but the father would not get any financial support. Yeah. So lo and behold, not to give the show away, but if you haven't seen it, the season finale was last week. <laughs> we'll have to so, check it out on Hulu or Netflix. You should. What's but the father, it's called... Um, Oh, God. Now I'm drawing a brain freeze. Maybe somebody who is watching us can see <laughs> the topic of the name of the show. The station's um, FYI, though. Yes, yeah, FYI. And it come, it, the show came on Tuesday evening. So anyway, at the end on the season finale, the father, who was having a hard time accepting his son marrying a man, did show up to the ceremony. Because the whole while I'm watching the show, I'm thinking, well, why does he care if his parents are going to be there or not? I just couldn't get it. But I understand that some people are very family orientated and that means the world to them to have their acceptance of their parents. Right. But I, as I am a consumer and a viewer watching the show, I'm thinking if you're going to pay for the wedding yourself, you live in your life halfway across the country, why do you care if they're going to contribute to the wedding or if they're going to come? But I had to remind myself, this is his mother and his father. He wants his parents to be there. His mother agreed that she was going to be there and to support it. She may necessarily didn't agree with it, but she was going to be there. But the father was a macho Latino man, and he had a really hard time. But I was happy to see that the father did come to the ceremony, and he sat in the front row. But the series talked a lot about how they got no financial support from their parents and how that was really devastating for them. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're so it's, it's dollars you said? I think they end up spending like twenty five to thirty thousand dollars, and it was a very oh, low key wedding. I think they did at a like an airport hangar yeah. in Palm Springs, and that's where they had the wedding and ceremony. The, both of the guys are flight attendants, so they wanted to do something on an airport type uh, airplane right. type deal to kind of have that theme. But it was a very interesting show, and I encourage people to. If you, if you can't catch an episode, if you don't have that channel, to possibly Google the show. It's on the FYI network, and it just really shows how far we've come, but how so far we have to go. Because even in this day and age, you still have people that have an issue with the interracial relationship. It was a black woman and a white man on the show. Yeah. And my analogy that I'm always using, and I know we're getting off topic a little bit, but when I'm talking to family members or colleagues, African-Americans that have an issue with homosexuality or same-sex couples, I'm thinking, do you realize that 30 to 40 years ago, it was an issue for an interracial couple to get married, a black man and a white, you know, and a white woman to get married. And so I think same-sex couples, their right to marriage and equality and all, they're wanting this equal rights, the same things that an interracial couple would have wanted. Or for someone that's a Jewish person that happens to be marrying a Christian person, a Catholic or something. Why is it an issue with who you go to bed with or who you love? So needless to say, families have issues with it. It is is a challenge and it is a major concern, even though we are in the 21st century. I do not know of any same-sex couples that have had a family member contribute financially to their wedding. I think the biggest thing that I encounter is just getting the support from family and friends to show up. I don't want their money. I don't want their checkbook. I just want them to come and support and give me their blessing. 
Right. Yeah. yeah well, I think David and I kind of disagree a little bit on this. His take is, that, and well, I'll say my take is that we've same-sex marriage has evolved very rapidly. It's almost been too fast for us to keep up with. So I can imagine that a parents who have a son and a daughter, and they spent their lives saving for their daughter's wedding, and then only recently found out that their child is gay or that their son is gay, and that their son can now get married and didn't prepare financially. I think we got to be a little bit forgiving that they just didn't plan for that. And whether or not they accept it or not, they probably don't have the deep pockets to be able to cover the, mm -hmm. the daughter and the son. Yeah. Right. But you have a slightly different opinion. Well, I think that when, when you look at how tradition falls out when it comes to a wedding, that a groom, a, a bride's family pays for certain portions of it and a groom's family pays for certain portions of it. And I think that parents need to, um, understand or maybe be thinking about this idea that just because my child has come out to me doesn't mean that I no longer have any res financial responsibility or I don't know if financial response, maybe responsibility isn't necessarily right, the right word, but financial opportunity to support my children in their wedding. You know, they may, that, that's something that they should, should potentially be thinking about. If you had planned on, if I think we, we looked through some of the the um, most common things that grooms families pay for. And uh, some of those are things like they pay for uh, the rehearsal dinner uh, and they'll pay for uh, the, um, the, the, the honeymoon. Uh, so those are traditionally, those are things that the families uh, have said that they would pay, the groom's side of the family would pay for, or certain, uh, certain flower paid for by the groom's family. Um, and so I think that when parents are thinking about this whole idea of I have a son and I have a daughter, or I have two sons and one daughter, it doesn't necessarily mean that you only have to think about financially, if you want to support your children in their weddings, that you're only, you only have to worry about your daughter. I think that that would then kind of, if we, if we assume that that's the case, then does that mean that parents would always support their lesbian daughters? Uh, weddings, but they would never support their gay son's weddings. So it kinda, you kind of got to maybe take a what look. What about the age factor? Because if someone is in their late 20s and they're getting married, opposed to someone that's in their mid-30s, they're going to their parents and say, hey, I'm getting married. Is that something that should be taken into the, to the equation as well? Where, where are I, you I on the age so. factor of it? Yeah, yeah I, I think if you're like 30, 40 years old getting married, there's a good chance that your parents are close to retiring if they're right. not retiring right. and having to fork over five to $15,000 or more is a huge dent to, to their nest egg, I would think. And I, so yeah, that's a good point. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm 35. I'll go ahead and tell my age. I know I look 27, but I'm 35. <laughs> and so if I was to get married this summer, I wouldn't feel comfortable you know, asking my parents for anything when they're in their 60s and they're trying to, you think they should be retired, but they're not. But as they are, you know, looking for their leaner years in life, it just, for me, and, and they might possibly offer to say, well, hey, let me pay the, the photographer or for the cake or for something. But 
I'm just thinking like at this, maybe when I was 25, those are conversations I would want to have. But at 35, I'm just thinking like, no, we're going to do this. We're, 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 we're fine. So that's something that I want people that are paying, uh, that are watching this evening to, to be mindful as well. I think the age factor will come into play because you might have parents that feel like, Hey, you've been working now for 10, 15 years and you're (laughs) a homeowner, you own a car, you know, you got a 401k or 403b. What steps have you taken to to splurge on this wedding and then one of the things i definitely want to talk about is this massive amount of money that people spend for a wedding and you know watching this show just over the past few weeks these people spent a pretty penny and one of the things that i talk about in my book chapter three it's you know before you say i do uh (laughs) it talks about Thinking outside of the box to plan for your wedding, you have to really be strategic. Do you know if you're going to go on a Saturday night to get married, the, the, the cost is going to be the most money? Right. Look at a Sunday brunch. Do you want to get married on, you know, during the weeknight or when is the peak? When is the peak season? You know, June, the wedding month. I've always told people your best bet is a destination wedding or to elope. Go to Vegas, <laughs> go to the Caribbean. You know, if I get married this summer, you know, fingers crossed or something, I would say, hey, let's go to the Caribbean and let's just take about, you know, 20 people, 10, 15, 20 closest family and friends, and let's just go and do it. Right. And that way we can maybe keep the cost under $5,000. And let's right. come home and have a big party at the house yeah. and invite everybody who we want to. But that way we're not starting our union out of debt. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and some couples are, and some, and they're putting their families' finances finances at risk. I think going back to what you were saying earlier, I think it's important to think about is the traditional concept of marriage, and I'm not even going all the way back to the very beginning, is you know a a, a couple in their twenties, a girl, a man, and a woman in the young age, just starting out their lives, their families were helping them get started, so it makes sense because they probably didn't have much more than just a high school and or college education. Um, they probably where they were just starting out, they didn't have a whole lot of income, a whole lot saved up. So their parents were kind of sending them off on a life to start together. Whereas now people are getting waiting longer to get married. Mm-hmm. People are marrying same sex couples, or, uh, same sex partners. Um, so I think maybe it might behoove everybody straight, gay, whatever to, start throwing away all the old paradigms and figuring out what works for you. Exactly. It's not a, a, it's not a, we don't have a common marriage. So therefore we don't need a common wedding, you know, let's think outside the box. And that's what I always tell people, whether you're heterosexual or in a same sex relationship, do what works for you. And even if you are getting family members to contribute to your wedding financially, whose wedding is it? Is it theirs? or Is it yours? Do you really want to get married in a church? Do you want this massive reception with 200 people when you only know 20 people? (laughs) Half the people on the guest list or your, your parents' friends and there's people that they want to invite. And I think the bigger your wedding, and this is coming from someone who was an event planner. That's my background. Event planning, finances, real estate, everything. I do it all. But <laughs> coming from someone who is an event planner, I think the more people, the, the bigger budget, you're losing focus of the day. And yeah. you're getting so caught up in the small things that you're just stressing yourself yourself out unnecessarily. And so coming from the event planner, I always tell people your best bet to go small and keep the budget very low. You have your entire life. I am more inclined to see someone spend a ton of money on a reception or a ceremony when they're celebrating a 10-year wedding anniversary. 
Dumb, or a 15 man. year or even a five year to me that's when i think you should go Call all out something. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly i yeah. have a really good friend they're celebrating their 10 year anniversary next year and they said they're going to go all out and yes. they they had a very um you know low-key wedding and they said they wanted to hit that milestone and that and now they've also saved money they're setting their careers they don't need any financial support from anyone. And this is, they said that their goal has always been to do it really big on the milestone, the 10 year, the 15, the 20. I would want to do that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. You, you know what's interesting? We, uh, our, our second ser- uh, show in series was um, about how to have a gay wedding without breaking the budget. Um, and one of the things that we did talk about on there, that show was that, um, that gay weddings in general spend $14,000 less than the average straight wedding. And I think that, you know, some of the things that we've talked about here, the fact that we are oftentimes a little bit older, but that we don't have financial support from our families has made a lot of gays uh, really kind of rein that in. And I, I also think that the, the just sheer number of them who number of gay couples that got married at the justice of the peace because they right. wanted to do it then and there, they wanted to get it done before laws changed or anything like that. They started off with something that, that was very simple. It forced them to think about something simple. Maybe we're going to see kind of this renaissance in like you were talking about having wedding receptions when you reach your 10 year mark or mm-hmm. when you re- re- reach a, a, a major milestone. David's statistic is from The Advocate, um, the Huffington Post, a year prior, published that not only are they having uh, cheaper weddings, but gays, lesbians and gays are having smaller weddings. Only 28% of uh, LGBTs getting married are having um, 100 or more people at their wedding, yeah. mm-hmm. which I thought that was kind of... So that means almost you know, 75% of people who are getting LGBT who are getting married are having right. small weddings, less than 100 people. Yeah, yeah when it comes to cutting the cost with most people, they come to me... And they say, well, what can I do to scale back or cut the cost? And I say, well, the first thing, look at the day of the week and look at your guest list. Look at your guest count because you're paying per head, whether it's yeah. $40 or $100 a plate. Like, do you really want to spend $75 on this person over here who you speak to every two years? <laughs> look at all of that and just really think outside the box. Really do your research. Talk to friends. Talk to people who recently got married. See what their horror stories are. If they could do it again, what would they do differently? I was just at a very nice restaurant the other day, and they showed me the back private room space and we got to talking and the lady the event director there she told me they rent out the restaurant all the time for buyouts and in the buyouts are just like i want to say like six or seven thousand dollars and you can have about 75 people at a steakhouse and it's a very nice steakhouse i'm like see this makes more sense for me to do we go and we get married whether it's at the courthouse i have a very intimate ceremony and then we invite 50 friends to a restaurant that we we bought out the entire restaurant and people can drink and have steak or food or salad and we can take pictures and play music. That to me is more beneficial than because at the end of the day, I know people like tradition, but you have to think, do you really need the flowers? Do you need the DJ and the band? Do you need the photo booth? Do you need to change two or three clothes? Do you need such a massive bridal party? Like what's important for you? And I know so many people that spend so much money on these weddings and they have all these people. And I'm thinking, I know you. I know you have to like have these people that in the room, you don't even know their name. And why are you doing it? Is it to impress people? Is it to look back on the pictures or what is it for? Is it a party that you want or is it the union and the ceremony that you're embracing to remember making it memorable. Right. I think those are questions you need to ask yourself. 
self? Is it the party that you want or is it the memory? Right. Yeah. And I guess, you know, kind of pulling this back into the family uh, and and your parents uh, providing or potentially providing financial support, um, having that kind of conversation with them, too. You know, if you're if you do have parents who are wanting to be financially supportive, asking them or I guess maybe really being forthright with them and saying this is what what we want. This is how we expect or are looking for our day to be. you know, there's always those horror stories of the mother-in-law uh, <laughs> and, and and imposing certain uh, desires or wishes. And, you know, I know of individuals, I know uh, of an individual who's the father of the groom imposed uh, yeah. various uh, stipulations on the wedding. Even though he didn't pay for any of the wedding, yeah. he imposed certain stipulations at, with having guests from japan and all over the world and again my you know i know people were like well why is that person there (laughs) so having my mother my mother would probably contribute a thousand dollars and would have the biggest input and would be the biggest (laughs) mother-in-law zilla and because she wants to follow etiquette and you have to invite this person and why are you doing that why are you choosing this color and i'm thinking Baby girl, you just gave me a thousand dollars, and you are making the same right. You have to say so for everything, and so that's that. Yeah, yeah. All right, we we need to turn some light on here. We're starting to get some oh, shadows, and we ran out of tape. Yeah, tape. So yeah, you have the biggest people, and actually, the people who make the most noise are the people who contribute so little financially. <laughs> And those are the people you have to put on mute. And I do that all the time. I just like, your mic is turned off. I can't hear you anymore. I don't hear anything you're saying. And at the end of the day, this is my party. This is my wedding, my ceremony. This is my life. This is what I want to do. And so you have to really have that discussion early on before you go and inquire for money. Sometimes someone's money has some stipulations with it. Right, exactly. It's not always free. Yeah. And no no (laughs) such thing as free money. No such thing as free anything. And it's like, do you want to hear that in your ear? And this is what you should do, or this is what I would do. So you have to think about that. Right. This is my day. Right. So maybe it's so maybe it's wise for you know same-sex couples to figure out what is it they want. Start planning it out and, and escalate with this. Go below. <laughs> below. 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 Everybody. Right. Below. But right. we're, we're talking about everyone tonight. So for those who you do not want to elope, that's, that's, we have some suggestions for you. Right. That's funny. Figure out what you want. Yes, yeah. Have the discussions. Yes. Figure out what you what you and your partner want. Have, have be very firm of what you're not what what are what are you not willing to bend or compromise on. And just realize that when you do go and inquire for money, that it, it, it will have some stipulations with it. Right. And then also really think long and hard about the amount of money that you want to request. How much do you really need? Right. Those are things to really think about. Or it could just be like, well, you know, it would just really help us out if you play for the DJ. Or I really want this one photographer, but they're a little bit out of our budget. If you could just contribute for that. Most yeah. times people are more inclined to to jump on board if it's just like, oh, okay, that's all you need? Yeah. Okay, cool. I got that. Yeah. I'll write you a check for that or send me their information and we can do the PayPal exchange. No worries, you know? Yeah. But if you're kind of like, well, I just need you to help. If you're like me, I'd be like, you need me to help what? I need to find print. <laughs> right. What exactly do you need me to help with? You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Be clear. So um, 
how sh if a gay couple has to ask their parents for support or any family member, how would we propose asking for that? Do we, or are we just saying no, don't? <laughs> I think you know, so. There are individuals out there who are watching that say, no, I want to. I have that strong relationship with my parents, and I think they are financially able to do it. I want to do it. Uh, first, have a shot. No, <laughs> uh, I think just go in, just just be open and honest, and have a conversation with them about it. Like any other Same. thing, if they're your family, they love and support you. At the end of the day, they can say yes and they can say no, and just be be prepared that you may hear not what you were expecting to hear. You, I mean, you exactly. you might think like, oh, clearly they're gonna say yes, right. and. It, it, it may not be that way. It, it may not be. And so that's a hard pill to swallow. So not to go into it being a negative Nancy, but just be prepared that I may not get that financial support from my mother, father, my grandmother. Because if you're like me, my grandmother, she 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 wouldn't be down for that. Like, no, I'm not doing that. Right. I, I think the bigger question sometimes it's, it's do you want them there? Of course, you would love their support. But at the end of the day, I would want your presence to be there more so than your financial support. Right. So I think at the end of the day, just go in, be prepared, be honest. And um, just but brace yourself that you may not get the response that you were hoping for. And that's OK. It doesn't mean that they love you or think any less of you. And it still means that you can have the wedding that you wanted. You're just going to have to be strategic with it and yeah. be creative. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking that uh, for, for a lot of individuals, I think that just broaching the whole idea of getting married is probably the first step. You know, maybe your maybe your parents haven't been thinking about the fact that you are going to get married. Maybe they have. And, you know, you, like we are we talked about, I think that there's kind of a little bit of a generational gap. Maybe if uh, if you're you're a uh, uh, a Gen Xer and you have millennial children, you may already expect it. The, uh, or they may already be expecting or have had those kind of conversations with you. But just initially talking about the fact that you do want to get married and leave it at that, you know, allow them to then say, oh, That's we'd like true. to be supportive. Yeah. We'd like to help. Let them approach it. That's or do you feel like you need some financial help? You can maybe after some time period say, just would you like to help? I would, you know, I want to offer that. I'm not asking for anything specifically, but if you want to help, we would appreciate it. And yeah, leave, leave, the, leave the door open. And don't be passive aggressive with it. You know, <laughs> don't right. dangle the carrot and say, well, it'd be really be nice if we had some help. But you know, <laughs> I hate when people do that. Be mm -hmm. an adult. Be very clear. You're getting ready to make an, a very wise, big adult decision. You're marrying someone. This is probably the biggest decision you will make. And so just be forthright with it. And uh, I love the analogy that you use to say, would you like to help? I mean, yeah. we're, it's no pressure. It's I'm just putting it out there. And if so, let's have a discussion about it. Right. Well, because some parents could be offended if you don't ask for help. So right. you kind of got to balance both of them. Mm -hmm. or, or maybe feel uncomfortable about approaching you and saying that they want to help. You yeah. have, you know, you provide the opportunity and allow them to say no. You could be financially stable yes. and the parents might just assume that you might get offended if, if, if they ask. Mom right. and dad, I won't be offended if you want to give me money. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're dealing with a baby boomer type parent and it's still a little taboo for them and they're still trying right. to get adjusted to the whole gay thing and everything. They might say, well, when two men are marrying each other, do you need any parent support or do you guys have everything? So I don't really know. So you're right with that. Parents might feel taken aback of, 
I don't really know. Like, I didn't want to ask you, are you gay? Yeah. So I don't want to say, do you need help for the wedding? Uh, because it's something that is not that common to them. Yeah. They're yeah. used to seeing a man and a woman. Yeah. So it, it's something that's a very good point that you brought that up because they might feel, I, I don't know what to do in this situation. Do I offer or do I wait for them? Mm-hmm. So I th- that's why, again, I take it back to have the discussion, but be very open, forthright, right. and, and honest and just talk to them about it. Yeah, just exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, so we talked about, you know, all the traditions are kind of out the window. Um, how should a same-sex couple decide who pays for what? Flip a coin and then you do. (laughs) (laughs) I think realistically, again, when I was on you all show last time, I said is, you know, a marriage is, I look at, it's a merger. You know, it's two businesses that are merging. Is is your marriage a a buyout or a merger? So I think it just goes back to any couple, whether you're heterosexual or same-sex couple, you need to sit down realistically and make a budget and, and, and compromise and think about what makes sense. You might want a royal wedding, but <laughs> clearly your budget is a barbecue picnic style <laughs> at the park. Right. You don't want to have something just for show and going into debt. I have several family members that charge like thousands of dollars for their wedding and they put it on the credit card and now five six seven years into the marriage i'm thinking that everything is paid for and they said no we're still paying for our wedding which is so unfortunate because now you're having kids you want a bigger home you want to start a business and you're still paying for a party seven years ago so i say all that to say you just need to sit down and have a discussion with a pen and paper and say okay this is our wish list, but this is our reality list. Right. And this is what we want to do. What can we afford? And and do we have someone like a William that we can call that can give us some really good ideas and tips yeah. of do it on a Friday afternoon versus a Saturday night or, you know, try a brunch style wedding. Do you really need a photographer, you know, paying, you know, $2,000 or so? What can we do to cut some corners but make it seem really, really nice? Um, we want to purchase a home in two years. Do we really want to spend $20,000 on a wedding when that can really be a down payment? Right. Exactly. You just have to think Exactly. For some tips, <laughs> ideas, and to see my handsome face. But <laughs> I think you can really... Uh, just have the conversation and, and just start thinking of what makes sense for you you all because there's no set formula for every couple. It's on a case-by-case basis or scenario and just realize that it's going to have to come with compromising. It, yeah. it will take some compromising, but this is a really good test for you because isn't that what marriage is all about? Yeah, right. Yeah. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I, I wish I would have remembered it, but um, some some of our personal finance friends have written articles on how you can have amazing weddings for like three thousand dollars or less. I think our friend Emery Groner wrote an, an article for her website or MSN Money. I can't remember about how she had a three thousand dollar or less wedding. Um, we'll put this in the show notes to. to uh, you can, and I'll do a plug really quick. My first book is on event planning, all about how to throw a party on a budget. And I have oh. some really amazing tips on there of how to throw any type of party, but primarily geared for weddings. And it's titled Everything I Need to Know About Life I Learned from an Event Planner, available on Amazon. <laughs> Get that. Wedding season is coming up. Plug. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, we'll put and, those in the yeah it's too. just using things around your house, going to, you know, Michael's and craft stores. 
relying on friends that are really good and with with doing certain things just really trying to say hey my budget is seven thousand dollars what can i pull off for seven thousand dollars and you will be amazed of what you can do just think outside the box and get away from the traditional aspect of everything yeah, but sorry. before you go get balloons make sure you order them in advance you can't just show up on a saturday it takes at least 20 minutes if not longer we uh, we had that experience this weekend going to a baby shower. Uh, <laughs> I just thought you could walk in and get balloons, and apparently that's not how it's done. Uh, especially on a Saturday know. afternoon, I guess. Yeah, so. yeah. So, and florals are the biggest things, and I don't know how many male same-sex couples or any same-sex couple utilize uh, flowers, but I always tell people that flowers are very nice, but you're spending a massive amount of money to utilize flowers for two to three hours. Afterwards, what do you do with them? Right. right. And that's always been my question. So for those couples that do want to utilize flowers and spend money on them, kudos to you. But may I encourage you to possibly think about donating your flowers after your ceremony to a nursing home or to a children's mm -hmm. hospital or some type of hospital because I just hate to see flowers just go to waste. And they don't throw them in the trash, but it's just a, an enormous amount of money that we spend on, on, on floral arrangements. Right. And after the ceremony is over with, you're just trying to figure out a way to get rid of the flowers. And it's yeah. so sad, but you can make someone's day or their week by donating them to a hospital yeah. or to a church or something like idea. that. So that must idea. be an event planner thing because we had oh, Amy, yeah. Amy Palafroni on our second show when we talked about the wedding topic. And she said the same thing about flowers. And she had some recommendations in lieu of flowers. Um, but I guess that you're, that's a great point. If you do want to do flowers, if you're adamant about it, then do something good with them after. after Make your, a point, exactly. Make a point to over. utilize them. So that way you're also getting use out of them, but someone else is getting. So it's like an two birds with one stone. Right, right, exactly. Very cool. Um, so uh, last question, this is going pretty quickly. Um, what other financial norms are changing with same-sex marriage? Um, are we, you and I talked about this a little bit. I thought it was kind of interesting, but can you think of any same, uh, any traditional norms that are kind of going to the wayside um, financially with same-sex marriage? Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. Repeat the question one more time. What other financial norms are changing with same-sex marriage? Okay. Other than you know throwing all traditions out the window with regard to who's paying for what, uh, or even having anybody else pay for it, um, are there other financial considerations that are that um, the LGBT community needs to adapt to um, when they're considering getting married and, and being um, married? I was thinking that I, I I would assume you know we haven't decided to get married, but I assume that a lot of uh, relationships would be similar to ours. That there isn't a preconceived or no, or expectation of I'm the groom and you're the bride, you're the groom and I'm the bride, and you must pay for and you must do this. So it may be kind of coming to the point where there's a logical conversation being had between two people about how it is that we're going to pay for all of this together. Yeah. And it's not the expectation of, I need to have a seven carat diamond engagement ring, or I need to have a Vera Wang wedding dress, or our reception needs to have, why do we I, never need to have anything open, that I want? Right, an open <laughs> bar where everybody right. can drink whatever it is that they want mm -hmm. because then it, it, I think the price tag becomes joint. It's our price tag rather than, you know, we did, we did read an article uh, or, or a question actually on an etiquette, a gay wedding etiquette site prior to this 
um, where a mother was asking, my son is getting married. My daughter got married 10 years ago. We paid for her wedding. We can't, we don't have the money to pay for my, my, my son's wedding. And I think that maybe those kinds of notions or ideas maybe will change over the, over time because it's possible that gay marriages become the example of it's a family's responsibility. It's everyone's responsibility if, if they're going to pay for it rather than, oh, the bride's family needs to pay for X and the groom's family pays for, for Y or what's that? Divide and conquer. Right, exactly. But I think that it's going to, it's going to be coming from us as individuals because we're going to have to be the first ones right. who pick the divide and conquer rather than just assuming or assigning it to a fit to a particular family right yeah i tell people just make your own rules do do what you see best for there no no two couples are the same and so therefore your wedding shouldn't be what you are used to seeing or what everybody else wants for you i just think the best thing that you could do is just sit down with your partner and have an, an open communication dialogue of what you want, what, what, you know, and you can say, what do you want? Well, this is what I want. And then just write down a list again of this is, this is our wants versus our needs and what can we realistically afford? And then possibly there is a great segue to say, do you think your parents uh, or family members will contribute anything to this? And, and then you could be like, okay, well, that's maybe some money that we can count on. And otherwise, this, it's going to be solely just the two of us. But this is a great way. And it's such a great learning tool because that way you can see what you're signing up for. How is your partner? <laughs> How good is this person in making decisions? <laughs> with, yeah. And with uh, compromising and dealing with money and to say, no, this is what I want. And I, I don't care how much it costs. Because on this show that I mentioned earlier, the same sex couple to me i thought the, the one of the guys he was just being a little brat during some episodes just saying that this is what i want and i want this and i don't care how much it costs and i'm thinking like see we wouldn't work because that <laughs> that wouldn't work for me um, exactly so it, it, it's just a great communication method to have as you start on a life together it's definitely and i just can't reiterate again please do not start you know your life out in debt it's not worth it it's not necessary because i can promise you a year year or two, two years later, no one will remember what they ate at your wedding or what right. song that was playing. That was so dry. <laughs> right. Or nobody cared that you had on a Tom Ford tuxedo and Christian Louboutin shoe. Like, nobody cares about Tom that. Tom Ford cares. So, <laughs> doing all of this for what? Right. You know, exactly. You know, it's, it's for the memories. memories of a exactly. Again, you know, we had a Jessica Ozar on and um, one of our shows, and she and her wife are both Jewish. They got married in Israel, um, but no, they got married in California. They met in Israel. Oh, they met in Israel. You're right. They, <laughs> right, they, decided, right. They, they decided to throw all tradition out the window, yeah. and they took traditions from other cultures and other religions, yeah. whatever they wanted that worked out for their special day, and they, they, had, they had a great time. She said it was reasonably priced as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the beach uh, is free. I'm, just, I'm telling people all the time. Go get married barefoot on the beach, put out 10 chairs for your friends and just, just go and do it. A destination wedding. Also, may I add a destination wedding can really cut down on some of the confusion of who to invite, who not to invite. Because you can just tell people like, well, I didn't invite you because you don't have a passport. So <laughs> therefore, that's the reason why you weren't on the I list. I didn't write it. Well, you know, it was going to take you six weeks to get a passport and we didn't have all that time, you know, bada bing, bada boom. But we are having a really nice house party at the house 
and we're inviting everyone. It's a potluck, so bring a dish, and we're having <laughs> a nice party at the house, and you can come and celebrate us because, again, you're celebrating us, the union, right. not the party. And you just need to be mindful of that. So you're going to get people, they're going to get their feelings hurt no matter what you do. I deal with that all the time from an event planner aspect of throwing a party. I get someone to say, well, you didn't invite me. It happens. And as I tell people, is it the party that you wanted or did you want to be there to support me? Because it sounds like you're upset that you didn't get invited to the party. Right. But you can still support me by doing X, Y, and Z. Right. Right. Those kind of ways to do it diplomatically. Right. So I think that kind of covers it. Yeah. So thank you, William S. Matthews, for pleasure. joining us again. Yeah. Thank um, you for having we'll me again. Certainly have you on in the future when we're I'm on here. Anytime you need me, day or yeah. night, rain or shine. <laughs> WilliamSMatthews.com. Everything I learned about money, I learned from my broke ass friends. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. On Amazon. Okay. We just serviced you. Now you get to service us by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and signing up for the Queer Money Lifestyle newsletter at queer.money. Well, I'm not really gay. Would <laughs> <laughs> help me if I had a personal chef made all me all my healthy meals for me. Right. So instead I'll have a Snickers tonight for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> the other end I like the butts, so <laughs> yeah. uh. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.